Hi and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And we're here again. Quite quick. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, well, time's got all funny with COVID anyway, but it seems like yesterday. But it's a week ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it must have been a week ago or a year ago, but not more than two. No. <laughs> people have been talking about the weather's been getting nice again here and people have been reminiscing about the good lockdown, you know, the, the first lockdown where there was a sort of party feel to it. And we've just sort of come through the bad lockdown, which is in the winter and people find it harder. So I think there's a sort of a festive feel about lockdown at the moment. Oh, remember those days. Yeah. We were banging, what was it, every Thursday? They were banging nights. every Thursday, Paolo. Yeah, well, no. no, no. <laughs> um, anyway, the reason we came back so early is because we read an article written by Tim O'Reilly. And I always had the idea about him that if he was British, probably he would be Sir Tim at this point. <laughs> I met him once, actually. It was at dinner uh, in London. He was over uh, and I got to meet him. Interesting guy. Yeah, I, I met him. I, I once went to his office and uh, I was pitching something clearly not very well because I don't think that he, he definitely didn't buy it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we met again a couple of years ago. I All was right. in, in back in San Francisco and uh, uh, working on a very interesting acceleration program with the, the information. And uh, I mean, he's a great guy. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's quite interesting. Well, he's, he's, anyway, yeah, go on, explain. Now, anyway, he wrote this article, uh, which we're of course going to be linking in the description uh, and it's titled The End of Silicon Valley as We Know It. And uh, I read it and I thought, well, there are a lot of things resonating with the type of stuff we, we talk about. I, I, I'm not sure I'm clever enough to really add anything or comment anything, but hey, I sent it's you never stopped article. us before, Paolo. Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, and, I, and, I, and it did resonate. I mean, it, it, and for those who... A quick, quick summary. So basically, Tim's finding much to much to be improved about the way Silicon Valley works, basically, and was talking about the needs of you know the pressing needs of global warming and uh, energy use and all sorts of other things that we could and should really be putting the best minds in the world to solve, and you know, and are obviously, but basically having a go at how Silicon Valley is still, you know, ridiculous amounts of money being paid to people who are coming up with what, in retrospect, look like pretty spurious businesses or even businesses that are still not making cash. And, you know, you alluded to the fact that Amazon obviously spent the first many years not, not making any profit, but clearly are now. And contrast contrasted those sort of uh, not real businesses with ones that do stuff like Tesla and what Elon Musk is doing. So it's, um, and he then was talking about ways that that isn't inevitable, um, that we could choose to consider economics differently in different ways to prioritise the things that matter. Um, and actually was, was talking about innovation around the world and how, you know, it's no longer just Silicon Valley that's the source of a lot of this stuff. And certainly in terms of eco solutions and 
um, you know, he was talking about some of the, the new vegan food entrepreneurs who are looking likely to become billionaires. You know, it was just, it, it was just interesting because it was basically saying that, you know, the market could potentially be a mechanism for solving our problems, but the way we're doing it at the moment just, just isn't working. Yeah, I think that something interesting that he describes is how AI can be a tool to decode and to manage complexity. Uh, perhaps not to decode, but to, to, to manage it. Even if we don't fully understand how it works, these tools will allow us to manage the huge complexity of tomorrow's or today's world of data and information. The challenge is that many companies working on this kind of technology are driven by, you know, Milton Friedman objective fun function that said uh, the social responsibility of businesses is to increase its profits. So the problem is that if you have a company like Facebook creating an algorithm that is managing all of our interaction and they are mainly driven by profits, they're not out there for good. And I think he does mention the case of uh, when Facebook tried to tweak the algorithm to reduce uh, fake news and they realized that this was also reducing engagement. So they kind of, you know, tune it back in because uh, they were not making enough money. But that, and so that's really interesting because it plays into uh, an event I was the main speaker at a, last night for a group of investors, angel investors based in Cambridge. And we got into the whole thing around code and algorithms and ethics. And one of the guys runs a software company that's building tools to fix problems that software creates. And, and at a much more sort of base level, you know, sort of just bits of code that go wrong. But because the whole stack is becoming so complex and nobody understands the whole thing. His company's already developing tools just in an operational sense to make the software work better because you need those tools to work out what's going wrong and what to do about it. But we quickly got into the whole thing about, well, what's... Especially, as you just said, in, the, in this context of society and the markets and things going wrong and needing tools to manage the complexity... And the example of Facebook is a great one because it still begs the question of what is right, you know, what is the right thing, you know. And I and I was remembering the the event I was speaking at in Washington, or chairing a a, a a panel in Washington where this AI expert said, oh, it's, "We just teach the software to do the right thing." And I kind of looked at him and said, "Well, what do you mean? Your right thing, my right thing, the Chinese right thing, or the American right thing?" You know, and so that's what's. I think just the hardest problem at the moment really is what once these systems, as you say, black box systems, start running faster than we can keep up. Um, they've been based on, you know, Milton Friedman's imperative, but they're kind of buried, they're lurking in the system, you know, so it, it, it's already sort of becoming quite hard, isn't it? Well, to some degree, I think that the main challenge is setting the right goals in the sense that... Uh, you know, we might not know exactly how we're going to get there, but uh, as long as we know in what direction well, we're trying to go, that's, that's my, that's my uh, point. we can at least try. Which, which right if, direction? If the Whose right direction? Who gets to decide? I mean, I think that as a society, Wh we could... Society? Uh, we, let's, let's put it this way. Do you, do you think... Well, let's put it this way. Do you think that uh, 
maximizing the profit for private companies such as Facebook is the right way to go. If the mechanisms... So, I was reading an article recently about saying that capital isn't, isn't broke, isn't necessary, it isn't broken, we just aren't using it right. It's not, you know, other alternative ways of running the world have sort of failed and we all make the broad statement the market's not the answer to everything. It could be if we did it better, if we chose the right types of interventions to produce the right responses, um, then, you know, Facebook could become a, it could become a force for good if, if, you know. I'm sure that they, I'm sure that it could become a force of good, but in order to become a force of good, they cannot continue try to create more profit just by having more engagement, just by having more eyeballs stick to their services. If they had different type of goals that are mm, orientated, I mean, I'm not saying that they shouldn't be creating value for themselves. Absolutely, they should. But in this case, we're not creating any value for their users or they're not creating enough value for the users. Well, aren't they? And this, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but you know, if billions of people are using it and don't seem to care. No, and see where we are ending up. So it's... Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I mean, know, I know. it's... I, I guess are we the ones to tell them? You know, are we the ones to say, no, you can't enjoy that righteous indignation at that stupid little thing that somebody's just posted? I don't think that it's the point. I mean, I think that w- nobody is trying to create an absolute truth and... Uh, and saying everybody needs to follow it. Mm-hmm. But I think that each one of us can decide in what direction to move and start pushing in that in, in that direction. Oh, so, that, so that's interesting because that came up in this thing last night and that was where I was sort of revealing my kind of anarchist leanings, as it were, that, that I don't think any... Because gra- somebody was talking about a hierarchy of needs in this session last night. Uh, and, and I said, well, I'm very wary of that because any hierarchy has somebody at the top or somebody decides what the top of the hierarchy is, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather have much more tactical, uh, organic, more people being more thoughtful and taking more responsibility and the consequence being a, a greater common good. The, you know, I know I'm a naive old hippie, but I, I can't see any other way working because all you'll do is replace one ideology with another and then you'll have your counterfactions and you'll have your counter-revolutions and we'll just all go back back round the roundabout again. No, it's The thing is that we are dealing with software here and software is a huge multiplier of efforts so it's software gives you leverage all right with the, with a small effort you can have huge results so every time we create a piece of software we release a piece of software we need to acknowledge that that can have unexpected consequences and these can be huge so it's very important to be mindful of that and to have goals that are perhaps a little bit more open than and uh, clear than just maximizing profit. <laughs> no, it's just I'm reading a book, you know, as ever, another book about Buddhist thought and about kindness and how... You know the whole thing about greed, aversion, and ignorance being the three sort of elements of life, and and the aversion bit 
is the things that wind us up that we want to get rid of. And it's just really interesting how this this lady's talking about instead of polarizing in in your own head and being annoyed with yourself for being annoyed about something and beating yourself up about beating yourself up. Um, she was just saying treat it with kindness and just just notice the thing. And so the, the reason I mentioned that was I still have a sort of squeamishness about kindness because it seems wimpy and soft and, well, you know, if everybody was kind, we'd all be, we'll all have been run over by Hitler sort of thing, you know. Um, but I actually increasingly believe that unless we begin to understand, as you said, the consequences, not just of our software, but of each other's actions, and and it does start with each of us, that's why both, both of us are interested in the whole meditation and mindfulness thing because we've realised that if you don't, sort yourself out, you get bugger all chance about helping the rest of the world sort itself out. And that mindset is still significantly different from the predominant one in the Western world, which is very much about the self, it's very much about progress, wherever that's conceived, and about competition and blah, blah, blah. So I, you know, all we can hope is that, and, and that was partly the original hope of the, the Silicon Valley hippie community, wasn't it? That You'd make it make the world a better place. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's. Um, but I think that uh, the same group of people that twenty twenty five years ago thought that uh, this would be a better place are now, you know, <laughs> yeah. looking at each other, saying, "Well, it didn't really work the way we thought it should," and uh, perhaps they're trying to fix it or per se. I mean, you know, yeah. Riley is of that generation. Yeah. I think that uh, the whole being kind thing is 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 important. Uh, mm -hmm. There was this exercise in meditation where you start by thinking of yourself, of imagining yourself and having this warm light, you know, growing and then expanding to the whole world. And then the next day, the exercise, you think about somebody do you, do you like and uh, you think about the warm light uh, with them and them feeling good and the warm light extending to the world. And then you next day, you think about somebody you barely know and you think about them being invested by the warm light. And then the following day, you think about somebody you don't like and you f you feel uh, and you try to imagine how they would feel feel well. And I always thought, and, and I, <laughs> to be honest, I kind of struggled yeah, me too. <laughs> on, on that yeah, part yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah, me too. But at the same time, it's also interesting how you start from yourself. Yeah. You start to be kind to yourself. And uh, only after you're kind to yourself, you can be kind to other people, uh, which is uh, probably a little counterintuitive for our kind of more Western, you know, you need to sacrifice yeah. Christian approach. Uh, but, uh, but, but it is actually important. Um, moving back to, to Silicon Valley, I think that... Uh, there was this, you know, many of the founders of these uh, technologies and ideas had a libertarian approach. Mm -hmm. It was about freedom and everybody free to do whatever they liked. But, see, um, but that's not but, freedom. 
Well, but in any case, the, the, the point is that we ended up all being siloed in a whole bunch of uh, corporate-controlled systems. Yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking the other day of, uh, um, you know, posting on my blog versus posting on Medium or Facebook or other platforms. And I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, we from the old days for the last 20 years, we have been proudly publishing on our own systems. And I thought, well, I mean, 20 years ago, I was actually running my blog on my own server. Mm -hmm. These days, I'm just running my blog on somebody else's infrastructure, which I do not control. So, yeah, yeah. the fact that I'm posting the stuff on my blog and not on uh, Facebook basically means that I'm paying Amazon instead of Facebook, but it's still part of a centrally controlled system. Uh, how much freedom do we really have and how much freedom do we just perceive we have? It's uh, up for debate, I think. Well, and, and that idea that freedom means being able to do what you want, I think is, is part of the problem because that's the greed bit of greed, aversion and ignorance. The ignorance is not realizing the consequences of all of this stuff, but feeling that the me, I have to get this, and if I'm not allowed to get this, I'm not free. Actually, freedom is being unencumbered by that angst, that suffering, that feeling that if I don't have this or I'm not good enough, if I don't get that or whatever, that's freedom. Being able to just sit and be quite content uh, with the world as it is, that's freedom. And and we headed in a very different direction. Um, and it, it's really interesting how some of this manifests in software, isn't it? I mean, just you talking about your blog and where you keep it. I've had, you know, I've had a lot of fun over the years with podcasts about technology and tools and apps and I've gone through so many different text editors and different product productivity apps and you know I've enjoyed it but you know what I'm just reducing everything down to the standard Apple tools my documents I'm saving as plain text because I've just got so fed up trying to work out whether I can move something from one system to another because the apparent freedom of all those choices just became a strain it became a pressure and, and just reducing things to their essence and to the basic needs and the simple needs and the, the important things, if you like, um, is, is how I would perceive freedom. And again, this, you know, not to lay everything at marketing's door, but so much of the Western economic model is based on need and lack. And that's partly what's driven... Silicon Valley, because they've, they've, they've looked like they had these magic ones that would make us all happy. Um, and apart from instant deliveries from Amazon, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, I guess it's part of this, but, you know, we go back to what is right, what mm -hmm. is wrong. So systems like Facebook are designed to advertise product and to create to try to instigate these needs that you don't really have but um, everything is designed to try to capture your attention and to start to get you to think that uh, you need something even the need to be liked exactly is that is that good or bad I mean, I think that we can agree 
on some of these aspects. No one is saying you should turn off Facebook or, you know, let's shut down the internet. But uh, as long as companies are purely driven by profit, whatever, you know, they are not, they do not have the incentive to, to do the right thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and this is covered in, in uh, O'Reilly's article is saying regulation yeah. so re- regulatory in the US is completely inappropriate i mean they're still basing stuff on anti competitive uh, laws that you know used to apply to oil companies um in the EU they're probably doing stuff a little bit better but it's still not particularly clear and and in any case uh, companies are al- always, uh, you know, a few years ahead of any regulations. Yeah. Uh, asking companies to to regulate themselves is also challenging because why should they? So it's it's challenging. But of course, this whole system based on high profits and high margin that uh, Silicon Valley created is showing some cracks because suddenly the priority on the planet is going in different directions yeah. you know we need to we need to solve the problem of global warming or if we even if we see how we quickly we were able to at least see the light at the end of the tunnel of the whole epidemic situation there was very little the silicon valley did yeah. for that uh, even if some of the ais that that work developed were sort of rooted in silicon valley but most of the research most of the stuff the fact that moderna was able to have the prototype of the vaccine within two days of uh, you know the chinese publishing the dna it's it it's not something that uh, facebook or google or apple did much to to support no no well the, the other really interesting thing was his comparison with the second world war um where with enough collective will, you can just completely turn an economy around and put it to a different use with different measures and different regulations uh, and within a, a, a you know a short space of time. And so it is back to that question. If we took some of these challenges seriously enough, then we could, you know, we, we've still got a fighting chance of doing enough to avert them. There was something very interesting that, uh, about that, that in the article that I had never really thought about um he's basically saying tackling tackling climate change is all about uh, the energy economy and he mentioned electrifying the whole country and Mm, yes yeah him being american we should probably do it in the rest of the world as well um but um (laughs) Uh, the, well, the rest of the world's ahead, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but this idea that uh, if you electrify the economy, so basically you move from fossil fuel to electricity, not just as a way to generate... I mean, you might still be using fossil fuel to generate electricity, but you use uh, electricity as a means to transport energy. It's, um, it's much more efficient. And how um, actually energy distributed in the form of oil or gas you we use half of the resources just to move it it. gobsmacking wasn't it i know i know just to get it and move it around cost us half the amount of energy it produced it's amazing and and also the distributed nature of of electrical 
power. You know, the fact that we, we could have local wind farms, we can have local solar panels on our roofs. Um, that in itself is interesting because it decentralizes that fundamental uh, capacity in, 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 in civilization, which is, is it would be interesting and new. I remember talking to Vinay Gupta about this, about blockchain and the distribution of local resources and being able to measure and record transactions. You know, if I've got enough spare capacity in my batteries, I can give to some to my neighbour, but they record the fact and they give me someone I've got a need from them sort of thing. You know, there are, there are mechanisms based on technology that we could use to radically change that distribution of energy. Yep. So... He mentioned how this whole effort of electrifying America is going to be a major one, is going to be creating huge opportunities, but it's probably not something Silicon Valley is going to have much to do with. Yeah. Well, and I found myself thinking, reading the article, again, after the back, off the back of this uh, session last night, because somebody pushed back a little bit and said, well, you know, every technology has said it will give us more free time. Uh, the washing machine was meant to give us all this time to be creative. And, I said, no, no, I think I think this time it's different. It's not that we're, we're being offered free time. That's very different from having your job just disappear <laughs> and sitting at home twiddling your thumbs, you know, as, as I think may happen to an awful lot of office and bureaucratic functions. So I found myself when Tim was talking about that uh, need to muster resources to provide, to, to electrify a country or the, or the world, how much of that will produce jobs and jobs as we recognise them? Because... You know, again, the AI in the systems may be, may be more effective in managing it uh, than, than the meatware. Well, it will definitely, I mean, it, 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 it will create a, a number of jobs, but uh, not enough to replace the jobs that will be disappearing, yeah. that's for sure. And also, I guess that the challenge is that... Uh, yeah, every time I have to deal with one of the big accounting firms, I think accounting sounds like one of those things that AIs will be able to do pretty well pretty soon. Yeah. Yes, you will still need a bunch of geniuses at the top, but I mean, all these thousands of drones that go to work every day we're not going to need them anymore. And, I mean, yeah, we could get them to install solar panels, but <laughs> I'm not sure that that is really what they want to do. I know. Um, so, so, you know, we, we have been creating lots of jobs that are going to just disappear. Yeah, bullshit jobs. Yeah. I mean, all, you know, as we said, a year ago, the beginning of this pandemic, I mean, all the people that suddenly don't show up at the office anymore and nothing changes. And said, well, you're working from home. Yeah, yeah. are they? And it's, I, I just want to counter, I mean, it, this probably comes across as really arrogant and smug. Um, I did, you know, a large part of many of my jobs was bullshit. Um, and I hate it. I remember sitting in the meetings thinking, this is bollocks. Nobody, nobody's, we're not really doing anything, you know? We're all, we're all spending hours in, rooms shuffling stuff around and it's funny because I now find myself and I've got to be careful about this because it's partly because I'm getting older um, partly because I've got a partial pension that means it's less pressure to, to go out and do stuff but I find it really hard when people expect me to get involved or be interested in 
in bullshit in bullshit jobs. I just I just can't be bothered anymore. Um, which is probably not fair because that's where a lot of people still spend their time and exist. But um, the, the, the sooner that starts to diminish, the better, the better, frankly. In the last few weeks, I've been working with, uh, you know, Sergio and Beniamino, co-founders of State oh, cool. of the Net. Um, and we are working on, uh, we're actually working on Beniamino's uh, project, which is called Good Morning Italia. And it's a company that's been around for a while. And, uh, you know, we send every morning in news, uh, basically a news briefing to today around 40,000 people. Cool. And uh, we have the opportunity to pitch to an investment fund that uh, they do long-term investments. So it's... Uh, they invest in stuff that is going to have an impact 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have been thinking, you know, what is going to happen in the next 10 years? What did, what what being informed is going to look like mm. uh, in 10 years? And, uh, and we came up with a bunch of ideas, but um, I think that one of the main aspects is that uh, the way we'll, we'll be managing our time hopefully for a sizable amount of people is going to be completely different yeah um you know you won't have to i mean commuting time will be either non-existent or completely different you know once all cars are self-driving you know you don't need to sit there and drive you can do other stuff yeah um you will probably always have or be able to have information in your field of vision without even without having to hold something up. Mm. You know, you won't have a screen. It will have just something that appears, <laughs> or that speaks to you, or that uh, basically y- you will be interacting with the the virtual world in a superimposed on the real world not not the, no. and we'll all get really annoyed when we're trying to have a conversation with somebody and they've got that glazed look when you know they're reading the news yeah well which is already <laughs> happening right it's it's uh, it's uh, i mean the difference is that instead of people glancing at their, their phone or their watch they will just glancing in the corner of the of uh, of their eye. but but on the other hand probably there will be a new etiquette and yeah. people will learn how to deal with that but uh, yeah, w- we were thinking about all these these possible scenarios, and uh, and probably the most relevant one is that uh, we will need to provide relevant news, and they will be much more connected to your context. I mean, we will be able to know. What are you doing? What kind of interests you have? What what is the most appropriate thing to do now? Instead of interrupting you, we will just be feeding the right information at the right time, and uh, that is going to be an interesting challenge. And that is something that potentially you know companies in Silicon Valley can do something about. But at this point, you don't really need to be there. You can be anywhere. But that in itself begs a whole load of questions that have been around for a while. I mean, Docs VRM stuff and, again, who decides what the right information is and when's the right time? Um, if it's not me as the customer, I don't want to know about it. I, I'm already like that. I've turned it all off because of that. I mean, that, that but that is exactly what we were thinking. I mean, what, what we imagined is uh, that uh, you will all have, we will all have 
uh, what what we were calling a news agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I- imagine you know a little a little piece of software that is running on your own devices. It's not running from a server. And it's aware of what you're doing. It's not sharing mm-hmm. what you're doing with anyone. It's just being aware of what you're doing. And when it will feel that it's the right time for something, it will be able to retrieve information from, from, from you know, wherever it's needed. So the point is, you will not be continuously feeding information to a central server and they will be processing this information and based on that decided what ad to push in your direction you will have software that will be running locally and will just pull the information that you want when you want it, when it makes more sense for you. Which I understand the appeal of, but I always think of the kind of Amazon thing that just because I've bought something doesn't mean I want you to tell about it, tell me about it over and over again, because I've just bought the bloody thing. I don't want it again. Uh, exactly, but that's but that's the whole point. The, the thing is that right now you have zero control of that. I mean, right now what is happening is that Amazon is making a decision based on some data that you're giving them. And that was interesting as well, wasn't it? There was something in the article about the metrics that they use and how they're shifting away from reviews and the sort of promoted things that they're introducing into the feed um, was an interesting part of the yeah, article, wasn't because, it? Yeah. because again, well, again, because they're charging for them. I mean, he, he, he gives the example both of Google and Amazon, say when they started, um, they were much more aware of giving something good to their users and and you know one of the main reasons why they became so dominant is because they were giving something very good to their users i mean google for years and years and years were very rigid in in terms of separating the search results that were driven by their algorithm that that were really really geared and giving you the best possible results from advertising and in the same way, um, Amazon, they were basically based their their browsing experience on reviews. So, you know, from their point of view, what they wanted to do is the, the allow you to find the, better, the best product for you. But both companies have realized that actually they can sell access. They can they can sell their soul to the devil and uh, start mixing results and start just getting paid to put the results at the top of the page. So what stops that happening? So I, I, I got nervous as soon as you said that you, Benjamino and Sergio, were talking to investors because <laughs> that's where it starts, isn't it? I mean, they're going to invest in something that they expect to make money and the means of making money is exactly the problem we've just been talking about that we need to solve. So if the news delivery mechanism, it it has to find value. Some you know, there has to be a perceived value somewhere. Well, I I think that one of the interesting aspects of this is that because uh, in this case and in many others we're dealing with investors that are actually looking at uh, you know the the long term picture. Mm-hmm. I think that we can agree that uh, in especially in certain sectors of the western societies privacy is becoming more and more important Mm 
I mean, there is a pushback to this invasion of privacy coming from from large corporations. So perhaps not today, but for tomorrow, if I can tell you I'm going to be able to deliver the news that you want when you want them without monitoring every single thing that you do, yeah. Th this is going to be appealing to at least a certain group of users and these group of users and, and, and you know the other thing that is brilliant about Good Morning Italia is that it's a very simply uh, system based on uh, subscription mm -hmm. so the deal is you give me money and I give you the best news I can there isn't anybody else involved in this deal. There isn't anybody else. Now, the problem is that if I want to build the infrastructure that will give you the best news you can, I need to invest some money up front, and that's what investors are for. But, you know, you're not selling out. You're just uh, creating a transaction where you say okay you give me some money today we, th this company will be more valuable and at some point where you sell this piece of company you'll make more money than than, than you have today um, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, corrupt mm. <laughs> I mean, the, the reason I'm responding the way I am is I spent four years going to some very nice hotels around Europe with a guy who ran a network of those sort of long-term investment brokers and 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 um, investment analysts, and I eventually stopped going because I came away so upset every time. <laughs> I just felt less and less confident. Money was it was still money, and it was people with big money and people wanting more big money and almost like game trying try it's like, what did uh, tim call it the the economic economic casino or something like that um that's what it felt like it felt like playing the odds rather than trying to get the right thing to happen it was trying to get a step ahead of everybody else rather than do the right thing but i think that you're giving investors a bad i mean I'm going to admit something, and uh, I, the, the, the ladies and gentlemen, this might be the last episode uh, once uh, <laughs> you and hear this, but I invest in companies. <gasps> Gasp. But, you know, we actually try to find companies that have a positive impact on society, and we give them money and services, and we try to help them build meaningful products that are good for people. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got you a know, pension and I'm fund feel, I'm that's feeling based on people making money. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I mean, completely inconsistent, I know. I mean, and I hope that they will be successful, and if they are, we might actually end up having a slightly better place to be. Um, most will fail, like, you know, most startups do, and you know, this is gonna. This is it. But at least we enjoyed the journey. So I don't think that there is necessarily something negative when you know you have investors or where there is people trying to make money. Not at all. I just think that th that needs to exist in a context that can't just be yeah. in isolation. Yeah. I, and not unregulated. That was for me the most interesting bit: is how we get governments up to speed enough aware enough of the issues to 
intervene with appropriate legislation to to help the right things to happen, which is what they're for, um, but have been outstripped by the by the companies over the last decade or so. Yeah, that that is probably one of the most concerning aspects, especially because yeah. you know most of these activities are transnationals and and uh, I was going to say there's no there's no platforms on which to make these decisions yeah. and 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 uh, even if we had the authority to make the authorities to make those decisions I still don't trust very much those who are supposed to make these decisions no. so it's not going to be easy but uh, I guess we got to figure this out got to start somewhere yeah otherwise there's not going to be a planet to leave behind <laughs> We always try and end up on, a, on an optimistic note, Paolo, but we haven't managed it today, have we really? Well, the, the, the optimistic note is that we hope you're going to figure this out. Oh, I'm sure we're going to figure it out. Okay? We will. It's we will great. definitely. Yeah. This it, will be, yeah. If not in the next episode, in the following one. Exactly. So c c come and find out the next time then. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. <laughs>